Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, I'm joined by Joe Osis. He's a sales arborist in Albany, New York. And I said it wrong, Joe, the first time I said Albany, right? Yep, not Albany, Albany. We're going to talk all about winter safety when it comes to our trees. But first, tell me a little bit about what a sales arborist does. Sure. So, I mean, essentially, we're we're uh, we're here to help people with their trees. Uh, uh, most of the time, we have some sort of idea before we go out to the property on uh uh, maybe what their problem is or what they're looking for. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're trying to help people with their trees, to help people manage risk, uh, help people manage the health of their trees. Um, so, yeah. So when we're talking about winter safety and our trees, what's the first thing you think of uh, when you're looking at a landscape? So uh, I try to look at it in two different uh in two different ways. One is, is obviously safety first. Uh, we're looking at trees that sort of have a higher risk, uh, potential for failure, you know, sometimes by species, uh, you know, a good example of that are, are maybe the white pines that, uh, that frequently get, get a lot of damage from snow load, uh, from ice. So, uh, uh, with those, we like to come in and just reduce some of the end weight, uh, give them a little taper. And then there's, there's other trees that, uh, that we're looking at uh, in terms of health, protecting them from, uh, you know, re- reducing like disease and insect uh, uh, problems by removing dead wood, uh, doing, you know, thinning, uh, that kind of thing. And so this is, uh, tell me from an arborist standpoint, this is a good time of the year to, to be able to see what's going on with the trees now that the leaves are off. Absolutely. This is a this is a great time of year to uh, to take a look at the structure of the trees. In fact, there's a I'm doing a lot of appointments now that I initially had gone out to uh, sort of evaluate people's uh, uh, trees and said, you know, let's uh, let's come back here in, in December or November and uh, and take a look at things once the leaves are off and, and we'll come up with a with a management plan. So let's start off with 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 deadwood. Is that, I mean, when you see dead wood in a tree, is it always coming off? Is that the idea? Yeah. So we, uh, for trees that we manage, we, we sort of, uh, we look at, we look at really look at the size of the dead wood and, and, and the quantity. Um, most of the time there's, we sort of use like a, uh, a size of maybe like two inches in diameter. If we start seeing a, a pretty high, uh, quantity of, of branches that, that are two inches and larger throughout the tree, then, then it's probably ripe for pruning. Uh, there are other trees that, you know, there's a, there may be a lot of dead wood, uh, sort of smaller stuff. Um, but, but in terms of, uh, of managing safety, that, that may not be on the top of the priority list. And then when you're looking at the tree, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, cracks are going to be an issue. Uh, that just makes sense to me. 
Yeah, some cases. Uh, uh, again, it, it sort of depends on species. Uh, also depends on, you know, where the tree's been growing, you know, things that have happened to the tree. Cracks are not like the be-all, end-all uh, of, of tree risk, but they could possibly mean something. Uh, and that's, that's a, it, it would be a good time to go out and look at the tree if you're finding cracks like that. You know, you know, I always often wonder this when we do get like either freezing rain or freezing rain and snow and, and the tree has all that stuff on it, tree or shrub, should we leave it be, or are we supposed to knock the snow off or, or does it depend on how much there is on there? So, uh, it, it really depends on, on how much snow there is. And it also depends on like the species. So they're like, uh, you know, a good example of like a sort of like a, a spready crown on maybe like a Japanese maple. Uh, if we're, if we're getting a lot of ice on there, a lot of snow, it, it would be good to, to knock that off. Uh, if we have sort of a, maybe just like a big maple or, or an oak, uh, one, it's not practical usually to knock all the snow off, but two, uh, most of the time, not an issue. And then how about decay? Uh, again, that's a, that's a pretty loaded question. There, a lot of older trees, uh, they, they are going to have some level of decay in them. It is really sort of a matter of how much there is, uh, you know, where the tree is located. Uh, when we talk about tree risk, it, it's a lot more about the target than it is the tree. So a tree with decay that is far removed maybe from the house, well, maybe we clean it up after it falls down. Um, but we find a tree that that has uh, significant decay, then, then maybe it's either time to remove it or, uh, you know, depending on the situation, some other kind of mitigation. So I, I know from doing this podcast and talking to arborists that you, you need to see it. But if I, in my case, I'm just giving you a, a, you know, what happened at my landscape. I'm looking up at a tree in the fall and I'm seeing those chicken of the woods mushrooms coming out of like a, a, a I don't know, a branch union up there. Uh, is that something I should be? freaking out about or is that something like just have your arborist come and take a look um so wood decay fungi are are always something that should be taken pretty seriously uh but like you just said i think it's really important to just have an arborist come out and really just take a look at it see what's going on there are some wood decay fungi that are just there there's no other mitigation except for except for removal uh, and then there's there's others like with say like the black locusts they, they typically get like a lot of shelf fungi but they're uh, they're able to withstand that pretty well so it, it really depends on species and, uh, and some other factors but I, I think most importantly is that you know you do have an arborist come out and take a look at it yeah so Joe just like you you know my local Davy arborist, he came when the leaves were on the trees and said the same thing, I'm, you know, especially with a lot of oaks, you know, we often talk in here how we don't want to touch oaks unless they're dormant, uh, you know, due to oak wilt, but he's doing the same thing. He's coming back now when the leaves are off. And it, it's funny, you know, that's why I asked that question early on, because I always thought 
you need to have the leaves on there to tell what's dead and what's not. But now that I've been doing the podcast and talking to the arborist, now when I do look up, it's it's pretty obvious, uh, you know, what's healthy up there in general and what isn't. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, if you're worried about a tree being blown over, uh, is there any indication ahead of time or... Or is that something you, you inspect to see, or is it just there's no way to know? So there's some things that we look at that, that definitely uh, increase the likelihood of failure uh, in terms of whole tree failure. Uh, some of these things could be limited soil volume. So we see that a lot in like street trees that are that are growing in like medians uh, along streets and uh, uh, trees with with uh, with root crop collars that have been where the, where the grade has been changed around them, uh, you know, either recently or, or long in the past, uh, trees that are maybe growing in, in sites that they're not meant to be growing in, uh, you know, maybe really wet areas, uh, where, 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 uh, root rock could be, uh, a problem. Um, so, Yes, there are some. There are some. Definitely some. Uh, uh, some some signs that that a tree could be in in potential trouble uh, for whole tree failure. Uh, but again, best thing to do is have an arborist out. Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, before the winter hits in earnest here in the east, have an expert come out and and look. And you know, I'm able to. You know, Joe and I are able to talk in generalities about this, but you got to see the tree. You know, get questions all the time, you know, via the internet or whatever it might be, but you've got to see the tree. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about being an arborist and that good feeling of going out to a property where you've got uh, a homeowner who's sweating it, loves this tree, and then you're able to say, oh, I know what we can do. Cut this, 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 and this, and you're going to be good to go, and that tree's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, I I wish that every situation was like that, and certainly that that would be, that would be a really great uh, would be a really great career. Um, unfortunately, there there are uh, there are sometimes where like the client does love the tree, but I you know I have to break that bad news that look the only thing that we can do is remove this, uh, and then there's you know conversely there probably more than than the scenario that that you just described. Uh, a lot of people call up thinking that, you know, it's the end of this tree or this tree has come down for one reason or another, but we're able to, you know, work out another plan. So I often ask arborists about their favorites and we'll talk about that. But as somebody who works day in and day out with trees, are there certain trees that you just kind of wish people didn't plant? And it's not necessarily because of winter damage, but it's just like whether it be invasive or just a hard tree to take care of anything on your list. Sure. Uh, I mean, let's go back to the Bradford pear really quick, like a uh, perfect example of, of a tree that you go to the nursery, you buy this wonderful conical shaped tree, and it does great for 10 years until until the very narrow crat- crotches that the tree is made of start to fail. Uh, and and then the just the the genetics of the tree there it's that tree is not naturally a conical tree it's a very wide spreading 
crown that most people don't really realize that. So there's a, uh, and, and it's a, it's a highly invasive tree. So we, we see those like sort of populate, uh, uh, areas where like, you know, fields are abandoned, that kind of thing as sort of a pioneer tree, but that's not the pioneer tree that we want to see, uh, taking over. So, um, some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the trees that I, that I really love, uh, seeing people plant native, uh, uh, the red bud, the American hornbeam, Austin tree, the, uh, witch hazel, uh, I think I think when people are looking at trees, it's important to sort of, uh, you know, what is it what is it that you're looking for in a tree? I think is what you what what I try to encourage clients to uh, think about before we make that decision. I mean, there there's trees that uh, that we plant just for that very quick uh, little bit of spring color, uh, and then there's other trees that that have that spring color, but also do something the rest of the year, which is, uh, which is how I try to, uh, uh, direct people into, into buying. Talk a little bit about the American hornbeam because I put one in, I am in an older Oak forest. I'm losing some older trees here and there, and I'm trying to get more diversity into that forest. I love hornbeams. Uh, is the is the common name? Do they call it muscle wood? Is that right or ironwood? Uh, that's also ironwood. ironwood. Yeah, and they, uh, un, uh, as you well know, we we try to use scientific uh, names as much as possible because that that's where some confusion comes in. So some people also call sure. the uh, the hops hornbeam ironwood, uh, which is a Australia totally different species uh, and genus. Um, the the American hornbeam is is very much an understory tree. It grows in the understory of forests and sort of on like uh, on the edge of forests, maybe on the edge of like wetter areas. Uh, I mean, I can't say enough good things about that tree. the the winter The winter interest is really tremendous. Really solid tree. Really uh, disease and insect uh, uh, resistant. So awesome tree. The the uh, the counterpart the the European hornbeam, which is much more of a like uh, upright sort of conically uh, shaped tree, uh, also another great uh, great tree. Well, you made me feel good because your explanation of the the site where that tree should be is right where I have it. I actually did it right, Joe. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, anything else on your list as favorites when you when you're going out to a property? Again, I know I, I repeat this over and over again. It's right tree, right place, but everybody has some favorites and things that that are don't get planted as much as they should. So uh, the American dogwood, really great tree. Uh, the black gum, uh, really really underutilized, really awesome tree. I mean, the fall color on that is just so tremendous. It's a uh, um, yellow wood, uh, which we start, I think, I think it's, that's their native range sort of comes, uh, we start to see that out by you and a little bit South, but it grows very well up in the Northeast, uh, nice fall color, really great flower show, a lot of winter interest with its, uh, it's smooth gray bark. Um, well, let me go back to the, uh, the dogwood. 
And if you don't mind, talk a little bit about citing that the right way, because I think that's important. I, I see Dogwoods kind of struggling out there in the full sun, uh, you know, definitely need a little water, shallow rooted. Yeah. So Dogwoods I've found uh, grow really well on like an Eastern exposure, sort of on like a forest border uh, or uh, a little bit in the understory of, of, uh, of some taller trees. They, they don't love to be out in the full sun. Uh, they get sun squalled a lot and they just generally don't like that kind of exposure. Um, so Eastern exposure, a little bit, a little bit of shade, uh, should do very well. They don't like really wet soil, like really well-drained, uh, high organic matter. Tell me a little bit about your season this year. Was it a challenging season? I guess every season's challenging, but was it any ch- more challenging than, than any other season for you? I don't think so. I mean, there were some, there were some, uh, some insect, uh, issues that were a little bit more prevalent this year, like the, uh, uh, the gypsy moth and, um, and the elongated hemlock scale and hemlock woolly adelgid was pretty, pretty big in, in New York. Uh, but we didn't, you know, we evaded, uh, any of the big storms that we had last year. So we didn't have to deal with any of that stuff, which is so great. Uh, we've been able to really just work on, you know, doing really great pruning and, and not taking down trees just because the storm came through. So it's been, been a good season that way. Well, as we finish up, uh, if you don't mind me asking, tell me a little bit about how you got into this. Why is this job right for you? Yeah, so uh, it is uh, pr- pretty often people say like, oh, you really know a lot about trees. And uh, and usually my comment is, well, but it's the only thing I know. <laughs> so if I had to do something else, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, I, I mean, I got into this at a very early age, uh, you know, 10, 10 or 12 years old uh, with, uh, with my uncle who's you know, he's passed away quite a while ago, but he definitely, he definitely got me into the green industry. And, uh, I've, like I said, I've never done anything else. So and tell me a little bit about what you get out of the job. Uh, so, some days I get a big headache and, uh, <laughs> m- m- most days I, you know, I, I love working with our guys. They're, uh, they are, they are just really tremendous. We have a lot of, uh, really young, talented guys that are, that are just like sponges and, uh, they, you can just tell they love what they do. And I, I, uh, it's really great to work with people like that. It's really great to work with, uh, with clients, especially ones that, that, you know, they care about their trees. They want to do something, something right. And, uh, so 99% of the time, love my job. (laughs) Well, we all have one of those days where we get a headache. So, uh, Joe, I want to thank you very much for being part of the show. Good stuff. And thanks for sharing all that great information. Thank you, sir. Yep. Bye-bye. You know the drill. It's a great idea to get an expert to look at your trees. And, hey, they'll come out for free. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am hosting the show. Next week, it's all about what to do with that Christmas tree after the holiday. 
Do not send it to the landfill. We've got lots of other options to talk about. And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>